Sin's got such a grip. You're preaching to Christ to somebody to lead them to the Lord. You better be praying for them because this Satan has got moves that can only be neutralized through prayer. I, I believe that. I believe God already sees what's happening and is making his move and inviting us to be part of it. And so, yeah, it's very difficult for a person to have this realization, Jesus is Lord, I am a sinner, I am not worthy, and I repent and change. This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through the book of 2 Kings. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. And now here's Pastor Rick with part two of his study called The Killer Kings in 2 Kings chapter 15. Zechariah, this prophet here, we otherwise unknown. We don't know. It's not the Zechariah who wrote the book of Zechariah. Uh, that comes much later. Verse 4, except, in, except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Now, we've been covering this. These were worship centers that were expressly forbidden in their Bible. But God's a chatterbox. Who needs to listen to him? I do what I think is good, because he understands I'm a decent person. If you believe that, you are spiritually ignorant, and you're lining yourself up for judgment, and you're not getting a pass on that. The, the apostles, Peter, John, and James, went up on a high mountain when Christ was transfigured. They were so taken emotionally, especially Peter. who Peter was an emotional guy. We pick it up in Matthew 17. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, this is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Mary. Okay, it doesn't say Mary, but that's what happens today. He says Elijah. And of course, the father interrupts them. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, singled them out. And suddenly a voice came out. Of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He's the one. He is the anointed, the Christ, the Messiah. Nobody else is in his class. And, and that is a profound lesson. But, okay, it's there in the Bible. How come people who claim to believe the Bible disregard that and build these centers of false worship in Jesus' name? Well, that's what they were doing here in Israel. Nothing new under the sun. And the judgments will be the same. This is serious stuff. I'll get to Revelation and the great white throne judgment if I ever get out of this chapter. 2 Kings 17, they feared Yahweh. We'll get this next, next section when we get to Ahaz. They feared Yahweh, yet served their own gods. Are these people insane? This is irrational. Why would you serve Yahweh when he forbids doing this? You do it nonetheless. Do you think you're just going to kind of get away with this? Well, you know, God's a big idiot. He doesn't see these kind of things. I could do this with somebody else's wife and nobody will ever care. You're crazy. And the Bible singles us out. It points at you if you do this kind of stuff. So what are you doing? You, what are you doing? 
They feared Yahweh and served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. This goes back to Deuteronomy. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which Yahweh gives to you. And in Chronicles, when Solomon comes along, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard your prayer and chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. There is to be no more, no other. And then we read in Numbers, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you destroy their engraved stones, destroy their molded images and abolish their high places. When you come to Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you begin to abolish all those other fake saviors and lords in your life. You get rid of the lies. And that's a parallel to, to the principle, the commandment there in Numbers finds a parallel teaching in reality. You cannot have buddy gods. You cannot have auxiliary places of salvation. There's one cross of Christ and no other. And why is this so difficult? What do, why does man think it is cute to tinker with God's word? To, to just tell him, no, you don't mean it. You said it, but I don't believe it. Well, Satan pulls it off. He blinds people. He distracts them. He whispers in their ear, don't believe that. It can't be true. Josiah, the last, uh, as I mentioned, of the good kings in Judah... He finished what Hezekiah started. King Hezekiah comes along, and it says, he removed the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the host of heaven. These people were worshiping created things. It's like you, you know, it's like you're drawing a picture and then you start worshiping what you drew. You're, you're, you're not God, you're not divine, you're not self-existent, you're not omniscient, you can't be everywhere at the same time, and you're not all powerful, and you're not able to beat death, and then you're disqualified. You can't be God, you're not big enough. You can't do those things, you are disqualified. And 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 yet. Uh, of course, Hezekiah smashes these things up, calls them Nehushtan. They're worthless things. They're not Yahweh. But he couldn't, get the, he couldn't get it out of the land. It could come back in. He'd eradicate it. They go low profile for a while, then they pop back up. Same thing that people do today. They act like I've given my life to Christ. And next thing you know, they're mingling in some other junk. And what are you doing? That kind of leaven will send you to hell. You can't improve on what Christ has done. Second Chronicles tells us in chapter 34, as Josiah comes along years later, thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve Yahweh their God. All his days they did not depart from following Yahweh God, the God of their fathers. But sadly that reform was superficial. Some were sincere, but when he died, the next four kings were monsters. And they persecuted the prophets, particularly Jeremiah. And they were all dealt with by God, ultimately. Evil gets away with it for a while, but at the end, it's got to land. It runs out of fuel, 
And that landing is not really a landing, it's a crash. And uh, again, we're seeing people uh, uh, do this to this day. They have their high places, and they won't let them go. Um, When the kings couldn't get this stuff out, they weren't giving the good kings. They weren't giving permission or tolerating it. It was just that difficult to eradicate uh, this stuff out out of Israel. Well, coming now to verse 5. Then Yahweh struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house judging the people of the land. So this is that good king Uzziah, and God is saying, if I'm going to deal with Uzziah this way, who's a good king, what do you think I'm going to do with you who are bringing in idols? He thought that he could be a priest when it was forbidden No one could be in the office of a priest in Israel except the sons of Aaron, the descendants of Aaron. That's in their law. When he got too big for his britches. And so you look at this good king and you hear this, the Lord struck him, huh? For, again, his presumptuous disobedience. Well, I'll get a pass. I'm the king. People do this all the time. And God judges them all the time for it. Well, his father, Amaziah, wanted to be known as this great general. You know, he was really the thistle. He tried to take down Jeroboam, and he, of course, became a prisoner of war himself, and then assassinated. Uzziah wanted to serve both God as king and as priest, spiritual leader, offering the incense at the golden altar. And in the priesthood, in the Old Testament, the priesthood and the monarchy were not to mix. They're two separate, they were to remain distinct. One was spiritual, the other one was physical, primarily, but both were spiritual. Both had physical elements, too. And in the blink of an eye, the great and powerful Uzziah was a leper, unclean, a social outcast until his death. And God could have done worse to him. But he leaves him as a, as a messenger to us. Yahweh is your strength. That should suffice. And so, as I mentioned, the kings put him out. Only Christ can be the prophet, the king, and the priest. Only the anointed, God the Son. He is the Son of God because he is God the Son. The Bible says that he did not consider it robbery to be counted equal to the Father, because he is equal to the Father, because the Father arranged it that way from eternity past. And he is after the order of Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem and also its priest. And no man could appoint themselves priest, especially high priest in the land. And one of the Jeroboam's, what Jeroboam does when he says, you know what, I don't want the people going to Jerusalem to worship, no matter what Moses said, no matter what the Bible says, he makes up his own priest. Anybody could be one. See, the, the, the sin he committed was just, that's why every time we come across Jeroboam the first, his name, the Bible says, he's the one that made it, he did it, he did it. And it's a message to anybody reading it. Don't, don't this be you. I'm going to say it just like that. Who cares about grammar when it makes the point? 
Don't this be you? Actually, it sounds kind of King Jamesish. Numbers 18. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. And that was Uzziah. And God did not kill him because God is not petty. People are petty. God's not petty. Well, God spared him, so he dwelt in verse 5, so he dwelt in ice in an isolated house, removed from the people, co-regent with his son. Uh, and, Jot- and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house. And he's a good king, but he won't live that long. He dies at 41. And that's a judgment not on him, but on the people. They, they were going to get the king they deserved because they're fooling around with God. Um, playing games with him. You know, we're God's people, but really they they despise the law of God. Verse 6, Now the rest of the acts of Azariah, who is Uzziah, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Verse 7, So Azariah rested with his fathers, and he buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. They have found essentially the gravestone of Uzziah, uh, and that's the name it goes by. He's buried as Uzziah, not Azariah, which lends back to what I was saying earlier. Um, so here, verse 7, uh, Isaiah the prophet who supported Uzziah will support his son Jotham also. Now, when the king Uzziah died, as I mentioned, Isaiah 6.1, saw the Lord high and lifted up the train of his robe, filled the temple. It's just such an assurance, it's an assurance that God was still on the throne, even though after 52 years, Uzziah was no longer there. And this void. And, you know, if you live long enough, you, you know, people that aren't the best characters, but you grew up with on television, when they die, you kind of a little piece of you goes with them. Like, man, I remember my mom used to watch that guy or whatever. And so there is a connection. Well, this is a righteous connection, not a casual or common one. When this king died, it affected Isaiah. And when Josiah dies, it will affect Jeremiah. In 2 Chronicles, we read, Jeremiah also lamented for Josiah. It broke his heart that a righteous king had died. And in Josiah's uh, case, it was such a waste. It just, he was trying, he made a mistake and he paid for it with his life. But you will meet Josiah in heaven. You're a righteous king. Well, anyway, this, uh, and incidentally, Josiah was in the, the only king that Jeremiah knew for 18 years. And when he died, he lamented, and he knew those rotten kids. You know, unlike Jotham, that was not a rotten kid, but a good kid. Well, Jeremiah knew that Josiah's sons, they're bad news. And and they were. Anyway, verse 8. In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria six months. Six months is all he's going to get because he's going to get killed. And he did evil in the sight of Yahweh, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. That's the one that changed the location of worship and just made a priest who made Israel sin. 
and the, the historians are brutal and rightful, righteously. It's a righteous indignation. They're almost fed up with this stuff when they keep hammering that. Every time they come to his name, don't forget to put in there the supervisor telling the scribe, don't forget the one that made Israel sin. <laughs> so, and so we want our people to understand it. Uh, anyway, uh, where am I? Verse 9, he did evil in the sight of Yahweh, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat. Uh, so this section now, again, chronologically goes back in time. So again, we're all over the place. And it is calling this period of violent men, killing each other to be king, with the exception of the one uh, Menahem that I, I mentioned. This is the fruit of 300 years of apostasy. In, in Yahweh's name, much of it. Wait till we get to Ahaz, who just throws out the, 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 altars of, the altar of Solomon and just finds one in the pagan world and, and has one made up after that one. I, I saw this pagan altar. I, I, we need that here. Oh, he's such an innovator. You know, from, he, from hell's standpoint, he's wonderful. Anyway, this I mentioned already commented on Zechari- Zechariah, the king, not the prophet that, that spoke to you, Uriah in the south. He reigns for six months and he is killed. Verse 10, Then Shulam, the son of Jeb- Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people, and he reigned in his place. Well, that was a bold move. You know, it was blatant, blatant execution. Like, look, we all don't like you, and uh, nobody's going to object to this. Uh, excuse me while I kill you kind of a thing. He's likely fed up with his politics and dealing with just everything and his weakness of, in character. So he, he kills him outright. The Assyrians have a record on Shalom as the king in Israel, and it says that he was the son of nobody. <laughs> What's with these people talking about your parents? I mean, first we have Jehu telling Jezebel, you know, uh, Azariah about his mother Jezebel. Now we've got the Assyrians talking about it. He doesn't have any. Well, what they're saying is he's probably he's not from royalty. He was a commoner. And they didn't respect him, and they wanted to point that out. Well, Amos the prophet actually prophesied that this, this would be the case with these kings, and they couldn't stand Amos for doing it. It didn't matter that it all came true. They didn't go back to Amos and said, you know what, your prophecies are right. We need to, we need to clean up our act. No, that wasn't the way they did it. Verse 11, now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Let me pause here a minute to say that sin's got such a grip. You're preaching to Christ, to somebody, to lead them to the Lord. You better be praying for them because this Satan has got moves that can only be neutralized through prayer. I, I believe that. I believe God already sees what's happening and is making his move and inviting us to be part of it. And so, yeah, it's very difficult for a person to have this realization, Jesus is Lord, I am a sinner, I am not worthy, and I repent and change. It's very spiritual, it's invisible, but it is not the works, the fruits of it are very visible. But what's going on in the inside? You can't x-ray it, you can't get an MRI, 
and say, look at that, a spiritual deficiency. There it is right there. It should be next to the frontal lobe, but it's not. Well, you can't do that because it's spiritual. Well, verse 12, this was the word of Yahweh which he spoke to Jehu, saying, your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. Well, that prophecy is fulfilled. Verse 13, Shalom, the son of Jebesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, because he reigned 52 years. And he reigned a full month in Samaria. So this one is the short. He doesn't, he gets 30 days. Verse 14, for Menahem, the son of Gadai, he was a Gadai warrior, probably. Anyway, went to Terzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, came to, uh, from Terzah, came to Samaria, struck Shalom, the son of Jebesh, in Samaria, and killed him, and he reigned in his place. The killer kings. Terzah is said, it's, it comes up in Solomon's song. It's beautiful up there, according at the time. And it was the capital city in the north. But Omri realized, you know, it's just not fortified enough. And he moved it to Samaria, which is a natural fortification. And that's why he moved the capital to Samaria. Anyway, verse 15. Now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which led indeed, which he led indeed are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Well, we don't have that book. That's extinct. We take his word for it. <laughs> Verse 16. Then from Terza, Menahem attacked Tipsha, all who were there in its territory, because they did not surrender. Therefore, he attacked it. All the women there who were with child, he ripped open. Yeah, you didn't see that coming. We're reading along, you're just looking at the kings, all of a sudden some gory terror pops out, and the writer is saying, this is the reality of, of the sin. These folks at Tipsha, they didn't like Menahem becoming king and killing Shalom, so they resisted. And he was brutal and cruel, and so he attacked them, and he murdered, and uh, that's how he... He dealt with it. There's nothing new about terrorism. That's what this was. Joseph Goebbels, you know, Hitler's minister of propaganda. If you read his quotes today, you would think that he is the chair in the Democrat Party today. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not taking cheap shots. You read what he says about how to manipulate people, and he said, this is them. Never admit that you're wrong, no matter what evidence they put in front of things like that. Well, this is what he says, one of the things he says. Terror could also be used to compel people to change their behavior. And so it's, you don't like Hitler? Well, how about we terrorize you? I think your behavior, will, I think everything about you will change after that. And that's what he did. They terrorized their opponents. If you were stood up in a, in a, in a, in a, floor of debate in the government office and you said I disagree with that and here's why and they they would terrorize you and that included killing you Uh, anyway Satan at work through human beings because Satan can't ball up his fist and punch you in the face he has to get a human to do it for him and he does Uh, whether you know in some way whatever Violence or sin against somebody, he, he's, he's getting, he has to get a person to do it. 
Verse 17, Menahem reigned in Israel in the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah. Menahem, the son of Gedi, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. So his act of terrorism evidently served his purposes because he served for 10 years as king. And it worked for one lifetime. And after that, you could say, hell doesn't break loose, but you won't break loose from hell. So we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. Now the earth and the heaven fleeing in this part of John's vision in the Revelation is because judgment's about to be exercised. This is the fierce wrath of God, and nothing stands in, and nothing can deal with that. Thanks for joining us for today's edition on Cross Reference Radio. This is the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville in Virginia. We trust that what you've heard today in the book of 2 Kings has been something to remember. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from this series, go to crossreferenceradio.com. Once more, that's crossreferenceradio.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast too so you'll never miss another edition. Just go to your favorite podcast app to subscribe. Our time is about up, but we hope you'll tune in again next time as we continue on in the book of 2 Kings. We look forward to that time with you, so make a note in your calendar to join Pastor Rick as he teaches from the Bible right here on Cross Reference Radio.